Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Red Light Report. And on today's episode, um, you guys heard recently, a week or two ago, my presentation in Rome at Scuola di Medicina e Nutrizione Funzionale. And don't laugh, Manuel. <laughs> but this is the guy that helped put that thing together and helped bring me over from the United States over to Italy. So um, I'm very appreciative of him for doing that for me. And of course, for him taking time out of his schedule to be on my podcast. Um, it's none other than Manuel Salvadori. And he is entrepreneur and registered nutritionist in Italy. He's a passionate biohacker for over the past decade and longer. He's focused on nootropics, sleep, and lifestyle changes. He's been using red light therapy for, for several years, I believe, at this point. We made a couple of posts about doing some pretty limber stretching on the matrix, which we'll have to get into. <laughs> but <laughs> without further ado, Manuel, welcome to the Red Light Report. Thank you, Mike, and thank you for having me there. It's a pleasure to be your host. Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining. First off, let's just start with the the typical question. Just give us your your background and your origin story, kind of how you got into the biohacking scene, how you got into functional uh, nutrition and medicine, and then how you got into light, because of course that's what the podcast is about. So how you got into light and red light therapy? Well, actually, my story is kind of not totally linear in a way. In Italy, it's uh, biology. When you study nutrition, you go you pass through biology. In USA, I believe it's called the registered nutritionist, the official figure. But when I was into my high school, I think, I developed a passion about sleep, sleep optimization. I had some sleep problems like everyone. We, you start from your problems, from your personal problems. So I tried to get into the sleep argument, the sleep topics. I tried to read everything. You know, I was a student. I hadn't worked. I hadn't job. I hadn't job. So I had all the time for studying things that I liked more than school subjects. So I got into sleep and I got into sleep optimization. And there was a, a website at the time, which was, uh, if I'm not wrong, if I recall it correctly, it was called like Super Memo or something, which had a huge, huge material about sleep optimization, polyphasic sleep. And in some way, I think there was a paragraph about polyphasic sleep and this term, biohacking. And then it opened a wide, topic, white topics, white argument. I, I deep dive into biohacking and eventually come into red light therapy. Then we had a stop, like three to four years when I went to university, I studied nutrition and eventually I founded with my co-founder, Valentina. We had the Italian School of Functional Nutrition and Medicine, uh, where you've been our guest and we had a pleasure to be there in, um, to have you there in Rome. And we, after some years uh, that I, I didn't get it in, or I didn't hear infrared light therapy uh, mentioned in uh, like lectures in Italy, after some point getting in touch with functional medicine, I, I started back the hearing about infrared therapy. And like that ring, ring a bell in my brain because I said, oh yeah, I, I remember, I reckon that I read about something. It was long ago. Yeah, I was 18 at the time and it started all back because I, I, I learned that 
infrared and photobiomodulation was a part of functional medicine. It's something that in USA, at least, uh, it's a part of functional medicine. So I was thrilled to get back into studying that topic. And uh, fast forward to now, we had you as our guest. Uh, we have started uh, doing uh, webinars. Uh, we do education about infrared. And we try to take this topic to the attention of the public. Our public is made mostly by MDs, so medical doctors or nutritionists. So we try to get their attention on that. So on a on a day-to-day basis, so you're a registered nutritionist, correct? Yep. So what does your day-to-day look like when you're working with clients? Because I'm just trying to get a comparison from like the American perspective of what a registered nutritionist would do. So what does that look like in Italy? It's pretty much a normal doctor visit, I can guess. So you that I'm sitting around uh, in, in front of my patient. Patient told me about his symptoms. So I try to figure them out and to put into the perspective of the functional medicine metrics. So I try to analyze uh, compared to a non-functional, we can say non-functional nutritionist or to, let's say, just a professionist who hasn't the functional approach. Uh, I go much deeper into the story of my patient. So I try to figure out everything about uh, what could have caused the, the, the current uh, like chronic illness or the chronic condition. I try to, to deep dive into the, the story, the personal story, the personal data. If my patient is um, a knowledge to personal tracking, like self-tracking, uh, I try to deep into his uh, data, like sleep data, or maybe the food blog, uh, if he or she uses uh, for example, my fitness poll or this kind of application or the ring or some polar, some HRV devices. I try to study the data and put into that order. And then we do physical examination. So we have uh, like the normal centimeter where you get, for example, weight, height, uh, diameters of the bones. Uh, you measure the patients. Like if you had to do a dress on him, then we use the bioimpedance to study the fluids in his body, so like intracellular water or extracellular water. And then we proceed with, um, in Italy, it's called adipometro, which is like a stratigraphy of the fat. Uh, it's an, an ultrasound uh, echography for the, the fat analysis. So you can distinguish between the visceral fat and the superficial fat, the subcutaneous fat. Then we do the, um, the skin fold, and that pretty much sums it up. So pretty comprehensive. Yeah, we try to do Yeah, and I imagine the treatment would be equally comprehensive. While you're a registered nutritionist, I would imagine part of it deals with food or nutrition or supplements, correct? And if so, what does that look like? And then what other type of treatments, remedies would you provide for clients? It's a great question of the modern days, we can say. I don't know if in the USA it's the same, but in Italy we can observe like a phenomenon where the nutritionist is going into different area of competencies. Like uh, the nutritionist, the common nutritionist is studying more into sleep, uh, is going to do his communication, his marketing about uh, lifestyle changes, HRV, sleep analysis, uh, sleep coaching. Uh, usually the nutritionists are getting mixed uh, with the lifestyle coaches. Uh, we can observe like a contamination between what the, the, a nutritionist usually do and what they're trying to do, like to expand the the treatments that you're doing. We don't do anything different from coaching about foods, like 
providing a diet plan or providing a nutritional coaching. For example, when you do coaching about nutrition, in USA, you have one of the greatest uh, reality, which is uh, Precision Nutrition by John Berardi. And I studied from, from them and I learned a, a different way to do to approach nutrition through coaching. But uh, honestly, I have to say that as a nutritionist, the only thing that we do is provide the information about food, provide a diet plan, and again, nutritional coaching. During this year, this particular year from January in Rome, uh, there was the new initiative, we can say, uh, which is the Biohacking Room, which has opened on January 2023. And the Biohacking Room uh, gives you, there are two figures, two different figures, a biohacking coach and a nutrition coach. And they are not registered nutritionists, too. And they give you like treatment with infrared therapy, with hypoxygen um, training, uh, or uh, they have different therapies from the biohacking world, we can say. It's a totally different reality. The matter are the people who come to the nutritionist. If I go from, to a nutritionist, if I'm visited by a nutritionist, I expect to receive a diet plan. I want a diet plan. And I don't want you to like sparkle with a, a red light in front of my eyes or to, to make me wear, to force me to wear a hypoxygen mask. Uh, uh, so I, I think that the paradigm must still to change before we get into that. Interesting. So, and this is another uh, thing I wanted to touch on. How many of your patients or clients do they pay, so to speak, with insurance? None of them. I know that in USA, it's a common practice, but none of them. In the U.S., it's, you're one of the few if you pay with cash or you pay with something else other than insurance. So I think that's kind of a whole paradigm for the vast majority of the audience, because I think most are American, to kind of shed some light on that paradigm in Europe where medicine is quote-unquote paid for, correct? So if I want to go see a yeah. nutritionist, if I want to go see a doctor, I'm paying zero dollars, paying zero in fiat. What does that look like from a patient perspective? Let's say I want to go see you, Manuel. Do I call you, set up an appointment? The whole point is, how long do I have to wait to see you? Because if it's free, like why wouldn't I just go see all physicians that I could to kind of quote unquote optimize my health? You know what I'm saying? Kind of take advantage of the system. Like how long would I have to wait to see someone like you? Is it days or weeks or months? I think it's uh, three months up to now. Is that pretty typical? Or does that just depend on the specialization? Like you're a nutritionist. What if I needed to have a surgery or if I wanted to go see... Gosh, like a physiotherapist like myself, like what's the wait time for that? In Italy, we have two different ways to go. You can go through the national system where you have everything free, but you have to wait. You have to wait months and you are not sure about the quality because the the Italian sanitary system, healthcare system, I don't want to go into politics, but it suffered some real cuts from salaries, from resources. So you have to wait. Let's say if you go on the freeway, you have to wait. While you can go on the private, like myself, I'm a private nutritionist. And usually when you have to say like a, a physiotherapist or you have to visit some dermatologist, you have to wait a week maybe or some days. The nutritionists at the moment are very particular case. Gotcha. And so by private, do you mean paying with cash versus using that free system, that freeway you said? Yeah, it's not really free, but you have to pay a little, a, a lot less. Like for example, let's say for example, if I have to, ex- uh, to do something to my teeth, it's called the judgment teeth, judgment tooth or something in English. I'm not sure about the, the correct way to spell that. But if I have to extract, to take out a tooth from myself, 
you can go on the private way and you have to pay for example from 300 to 500 if you have to if you want to go through the public healthcare system you pay like 30 30 years 20 mm-hmm. years so that's the difference but you have to wait less. a lot more yeah. gotcha mm-hmm. as a citizen do you get to choose using the private way or the freeway for every yeah. treatment let's say you want something really soon like there there's some urgency then you can choose private way and pay more but get it done sooner mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. if there's just some things you want to plan out in the future, you can just use the freeway, pay less, and just plan things out in the future, but save a lot of money that way. No, you are you are totally free to choose what uh, whatever fits you best. Of course, you have to afford that. You have to be able sure. to pay more if you have. But but that merges with the USA system in this particular case because when you can pay for for an insurance and you can go through insurance even in Italy. So if you know that most likely in five years, you might need something urgently, or I know it's it's kind of tricky to plan something urgent, but maybe you know that something could get worse in some years, you can go and sign up with an insurance and you pay the, inter- the insurance. And after five years, you can go private through the insurance. As many of you know, BioLite recently released its newest product, the Adapt System. And so this is BioLite's take on the full body 360 degree red light therapy treatment. Most of the products out there like that are red light therapy beds that completely enclose you, kind of like a capsule or those tanning beds. While those are nice and they're beneficial, they take up a lot of space for those that are claustrophobic, they're not user-friendly. The ADAPT system includes a red light therapy table that's on wheels, so it's mobile, and a red light therapy panel that is on an apparatus that allows you to literally lower or increase the height of on a motorized platform, as well as you can rotate that panel 360 degrees so you can get it precisely how you want it. The ADAPT system, again, includes that table to lie on, the panel that you can raise and lower just above the body, or a couple of feet above the body or you could use just the panel for standing treatments or for lying on a different surface and so the adapt system includes both products but you can also purchase just the adapt table or just the adapt panel based on your needs right now with the new release of the adapt system Bylight is offering 15% off the first 10 purchases that can include just the adapt table the adapt panel or the entire adapt system you're one of the first to hear about this innovative cutting edge patent pending technology and so if you want to jump on that 15% I would recommend purchasing as soon as possible if you have any questions about the adapt system please reach out to biolite either through instagram at biolite.shop or email info at biolite.shop the lights both the red and near infrared is customizable so you get to choose exactly which wavelengths of red and near infrared that you want and if you need help choosing as this is tailored towards physicians and med spas and recovery centers and gyms and yoga studios of that sort. So if you need help choosing which wavelengths would be best for your patient or client population, you'll be able to conversate with me directly so I can help you decide which wavelengths would be best. And along with the customizable LEDs, you can literally increase and decrease the intensity of the light with the turning knob. So from 1% up to 100%, you get to dictate the power of the light. And so this gives you maximal versatility with your full body 360 degree red light therapy treatments with the products themselves the table and the panel but also the versatility with the customizable leds and the ability to increase and decrease the intensity of the light at will the adapt system 
10% off the first 10 purchases, email info at biolight.shop or reach out to us at biolight.shop on Instagram. Let's switch the topic just slightly. Let's still kind of compare US versus Europe, but this time let's go into the information and technology differences. Meaning when I traveled to Europe and I was in Rome, multiple people explained to me how far behind, not just Italy, but Europe is in terms of information and technology, especially in in the health and the biohacking space. I heard, uh, whether it was from you or a couple of other people, uh, Europe kind of watches what the U.S. is doing because the U.S. is constantly innovating and, and trying new things for better or worse. And they kind of see what works in the U.S. And then years and years and years later, it might get adopted in Europe. Can you kind of go into that and why that is and kind of your perspective on that? Well, when I I got in contact with the biohacking world early in my life, I was like 15, 16, and I was wandering on the, the web, the first websites. I studied under the Bulletproof Institute from Dave Asprey, became a Bulletproof coach. And that was my first real getting in touch with the U.S. world, the U.S. way of getting to biohacking. And I was thrilled. I was thrilled and shocked. When compared to Italy, if we talk about uh, three years ago, five, four, four years ago, two years ago, the term biohacking was not even known, not even used. There were like 30 people, 40 people, 50 people, people which were interested in USA, studying bulletproof, studying infrared, studying sleep optimization, studying nootropics. Uh, I remember there was the um, that forum, uh, Longevity, uh, it was uh, really a niche of uh, nerds about nootropics and stacks. Uh, and uh, I remember I had a friend from Milan and a friend from Turin, uh, 10 people studying nootropics at that way. When the term biohacking came into use in Italy, which is like the past two years, uh, it was funny in some way because we talked about, uh, you, you could see on Instagram, biohacking uh, training, biohacking sleep, biohacking uh, nutrition. And by biohacking, they, they were meaning, they were referring to, for example, ketogenic standard ketogenic. Standard keto was the biohacking uh, discovery or biohacking sleep was like a, have a curtain that didn't let pass the, the light or turn off the light in the room and wear a mask. That was biohacking. That, that was the level when we talked about biohacking. On the general side, for example, when I I, am, I was practicing my my splits, I'm I am an ex uh, a former gymnast, and I was practicing my splits on uh, on the matrix. We will get into that later, I think. A lot of people wrote to me about if there there were harms, there were problems. Why would I do that? The same people which were interested about biohacking were totally worried that I was doing something dangerous. Uh, so a lot of people tried to uh, to Google and uh, the, the term uh, EMF came out. Everyone was posting about EMF. Now I was frying my genitals. Uh, a lot of people were talking about that. So in a way, Italy in particular, we have the pride of being the country of wellness. Italy is, is seen by the citizens as the, the country of wellness. We, are the, we have the best foods, we have the best practice, we have the best hair, we have no pollution, we, have, we are the best. On, hey, I'll in, second uh, that you guys have the best food. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. <laughs> the <best laughs> in the world, no doubt. Yeah. And when it comes to 
unorthodox practices, we have both the fascination uh, from everything that comes from outside, like from the USA. We we are totally fascinated by USA in a way, but also we are we cannot be that contaminated. And as you said before, we came years ahead, years later. So everyone at the start says, no, that's quackery. That's something that's not useful. That's dangerous. You're doing something very weird, weird stuff. And after some years, it is the normalization of that practice. And I think that, for example, the pioneers on that have been the, the O-ring. For example, the O-ring, yeah. like three to four years ago, I was at the biohacking summit in Helsinki, 2018. And I took the, the the white one, the giant one, the the beta version of the overing. I remember walking with that, and a lot of people asking me why I would do that. What is that? Well, is it where that you wear a, like an, a ring like that? And I was explaining thrilled that I had a, a sleep tracking device. And people were, why would you track your sleep? Why would you be interested in that? How can you distinguish the REM sleep from the deep sleep just for a ring from a ring? Uh, no, I think it's too expensive. No, I think it's uh, blah 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 blah. Years later, everyone wants uh, a ring. So at first, it was something very strange. I don't know if we can say that a fast pace, but it took uh, five years to get into normal. Where normal, it's not something that is seen as weird, not something that everyone uh, does. I don't know if I made myself yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, so the ridicule comes where people are like kind of judging it or trying to figure out how it works or just not believing in it. And then slowly over time comes adoption. So that's kind of a typical thing. Something new comes, I mean, even red light therapy, you hear about red light therapy, it's like, how can light possibly work on my body and heal me? And there's so many things that red light therapy helps with. How is this possible? And so you ridicule it, but over time, as more people use it, more people get results, more research comes out, the adoption comes. And we're kind of in that phase now where I think more and more adoption is coming because more and more people are using it, more and more people are getting results, and the word of mouth spreads. Uh, so there comes a point in time where the results and the positive affirmation, in this case, red light therapy, outweighs the ridicule. And it's kind of like you're, you're explaining early on with the aura ring. It's like, how can this thing possibly work? It's so expensive. It's like, why do I even want that information? So the ridicule kind of outweighs the adoption in the early phase. But then over time, typically it does take years and years. The adoption outweighs the ridicule and now becomes normal, right? So it's a pretty interesting process. The point is that when talking about healthcare stuff, so if you're talking about LT stuff in particular, we're very close to that. I know that it's a common practice. It's a common process that there was uh, at the early times, uh, many people are skeptical, then there comes the adoption years later. But the difference that I could notice in Italy is that, as I, as I was saying before, by being the country of the sea, the country of the, the walking on the sea or having activities in the countryside, we have like an idealization of the Italian no? in, on, on that side. If I try to do something for my health, which is different than walking outside, having a walk in the forest, or eating great food, staying with friends, this is seen as very, very odd for an Italian. While on the other side, on different aspects of life, for example, uh, fashion, Italians are, are mats for fashion. So if you have a very totally weird pair of shoes, uh, a new fashion in general, you can expect the uh, the early 
to adoption phase to happen really quickly. While for the health-related stuff, taking care about myself, the paradigm is we have done ways correctly for years. We are the country of the Mediterranean diet. We are the ones who invented health stuff. We are the healthiest. We are the best in a way in the world in that sense. So it's kind of a, another level. It's like the two-factor authentication. Authentication. You have another factor that makes the common curve of adoption slower on the health stuff. That was my point. No, totally. And in Europe, and this is what I heard from a lot of other people relative to why things are slower in Europe, why things are slower in Italy as far as uptake in the biohacking utilizing this new technology, so to speak. And part of that is because healthcare and medicine is free or very, very cheap, meaning there's less incentive, there's less motivation to spend your money on things that are supposed to quote unquote improve your health. Like why am I going to spend $500, $1,000 on this biohacking technology <laughs> when I can just go visit a nutritionist or a physiotherapist or some other physician for a very, very low fee, and they are kind of the gatekeepers for health, right? So I'm going to go see them versus spend my money on other technology that may or may not help me in my mind's eye. And I can spend that money on something else like food or clothes or, or other things. So do you feel that's part of the reason as well is that there's just less incentive to spend your money on this technology when it's cheap to go see a professional? No, totally. I totally disagree with that. You do? Never. Yeah, totally disagree with that. In my experience, in my clinical experience, usually my clinical day and common day, I see not many, but 12 to 15 people, different people. I know I have to listen to them, to their story and to, to analyze their story. Never would I say that this could be a reason because never, no, no one thinks that the healthcare practitioner is the gatekeeper of health. I think this is a very, a very elegant way to think and a very elegant way to analyze the problem. But as it common happens, uh, usually happens uh, when something is too elegant and not not enough simple, it goes in a wrong way. In my opinion, the argument that you that you supported was very elegant, but not practical in the common days. Usually, people are not involved, not really enthusiastic about buying stuff for themselves. Uh, it's like a marketing thing. I will tell you a story. An influencer, one of the early influencers in Italy, his fortune was made on drinking water. And he created a story where drinking water was for hardcore people. By drinking water, by saying no to alcohol, by saying no to temptation, you were hardcore. You are you were cool. A lot of people in the 20s following him, there was a forum about in, in that time, following him and started to drink only water. Because they thought that drinking just water, just plain water was cool. And I think that was the point. That is the real point. You buy uh, 500 shoes because it's cool. Uh, you buy a cloth because it's cool. You buy an aura ring because every one of your friends has one and because it's cool. Then there is the niche of people who does it because it, he or she or the person in, in particular loves to track himself, loves to optimize his wealth. Uh, is health. But usually the point is that buying stuff for your health is not cool. For example, there were a lot of people that asked me about the metrics. Uh, I was doing the splits on that because I was using that for doing something cool, something unorthodox. By 
binding, an emotion, a, a sensation that you're doing something to elevate yourself. Being healthy is not normally associated with something cold. Being healthy or thinking in Italy, taking care for yourself is usually associated with like saying no to wine, saying no to going out with friends and having dinner. You know, food in Italy is pretty much linked with social, so the social value that you have. Everyone was uh, is having lunch together, dinner together. Uh, we have this uh, aperitivo. So when you drink a glass of wine and you have some snacks, by being healthy or a, a healthy person, the, the healthy guy in the room, you are boring. And the buying stuff for your health uh, is considered... I think, in my opinion, in my story with my patients, it's considered boring. While on the other side, when we will assist to the change of paradigm, where you have people starting to think that working with infrared, optimizing your sleep, you can enjoy more fun, you can do more sports, you can do more things, you can enjoy your life in a better way, that would be the cool change of paradigm. And that would be something really important. At that point, Buying an infrared device like the Shine or the, the BioLite therapy devices or a shoe, a pair of shoes, that would be the same. Gotcha. Yeah. And just to reiterate, the perspective I gave you was just what I'd heard from other people in Europe. So it's interesting mm-hmm. to hear your take. And that makes total sense. And I can kind of almost see that over here too, where being healthy when you're young, especially because you're invincible, nothing matters. So, you know, health can take a backseat. So health, like taking care of your health can be seen as like nerdy or kind of weird or uncool to your point. And it's not until you start seeing detriments to your health or it starts uh, deteriorating that you start taking care of your health. But when you do it early and trying to be proactive and you're trying to optimize your, your, your health and your longevity and your health span, yeah, it's not necessarily seen as cool. You're kind of seen as an outcast or you're definitely in the minority. So I, I definitely yep. see the point. And, and yeah, appreciate that perspective, Manuel. But let's move along to another one of your focuses, and that's nootropics. So break that down a little bit for us. What is your take on nootropics? How do you utilize it? What types do you like? Just lead us down that path. Well, uh, getting into that topic, I was uh, I experimented with nearly everything that was on the market that was available at the moment. I've been testing stacks, uh, like every nerd about nootropics uh, that deserves his name. Uh, I tried the stacks. Uh, I, I, I quoted longevity as of, um, all the, um, the whole home of nerds about nootropic stuff. And uh, we used to, to have several discussion about how to optimize your uh, stack of nootropics, what you would do with that, if you want to use them for, for studying for in order to prepare an exam. My way of, of looking at these kind of supplements was kind of changing during the years. At first, I was like looking for the, the limitless pill. I, I, you know the, the, the movie? Yep. And I was, like everyone, I was looking for the, for the way to, to use my total 100% of brain. That was this, this myth of not using this, the 100% of your brain. So I spent different years trying uh, modafinil, the racetams family, like the piracetam, aniracetam, oxyracetam, and I experimented with all of them. I tried some peptides like um, Hydra 21 and experimented like every possible uh, nootropic stuff and combination. After that, I kind of lost the scope of why I was doing that. I realized that using a lot of nootropics wouldn't make me a genius. They improve your focus, but in a way that 
as we are we were saying before, if you don't take care of everything else, so if for example you do a lifestyle where you sit eight hours a day uh, or ten hours a day or twelve hours a day, you don't go outside, you don't do sports, you don't have a, a, a great food, you don't have uh, attention with your supplements. Uh, using uh, nootropics is like looking at the finger and losing away the the moon. I had great experiences preparing some exams. My all-time favorite was the Resetam family. My best exams were under the Resetam family and particularly by Annie Resetam. Was, it, it's my all-time favorite. But I would confine them and I, will, I would suggest to use, to approach to nootropics just for a single target. So you give yourself a target and you use the nootropics for that way. I would not suggest to try to find the pill to become uh, a genius or limitless uh, every day. Right. That, that, right. At, a certain, at a certain point, I remember that was my my main target. I, I was looking to be hyper-accelerated all the day, and I was kind of losing the track on that. You also wonder what the downstream effects of using those on a daily basis is. I mean, they're... Uh, the racetams especially are considered safe, right? Even for daily usage. But to your point, what's the point? And you're, yeah. you're looking for that increased focus. And I used the racetams uh, years ago as well. Use them on a daily basis. You you lose that feeling or that edge. You almost become habituated to them where you'd have to continuously increase your dosage to get the same effect. So you're just chasing that feeling in a way, which as we all know, that's a slippery slope. Totally. So yeah, and then your recommendation is like if you have a big test or you have a big uh, presentation or something big in your life where you need to enhance your uh, cognitive capabilities, use it for those moments, but not like on a daily mm-hmm. basis as a crutch to quote unquote, increase your awareness. Totally. And uh, I think that the placebo effect would also play a, a great role on that, especially for the students. Usually the students are put under psychological pressure. Having this secret weapon, we could say, you like feel like you're you have superpowers, so and that, that could do the trick for an exam. So I uh, after years of, uh, as you say, chasing uh, that sensation and in, totally increasing uh, daily increasing my dosage. Uh, I remember that day when I was, I decided okay now I need a, a washout period, and that particular washout period was the worst period of focus in my life. So I quit uh, using the Resetam. And uh, I wasn't able to focus on a single thing for more than five minutes. And then I said, okay, what am I doing? I'm not increasing something. I'm just destroying my ability to become focused on something without using the recetams or without using uh, nootropics. After all the experimentation, I just tried to suggest the use of nootropics for a particular target, for a particular exam, for a particular period of your life <clears throat> where... For example, having the sensation that you're doing something very strong is great. It's giving you superpowers. You have a secret weapon, uh, but just confined to that. Do you personally still use them to this day or do you just do away with them altogether? No, I have to say that to this day I study them and I have to confess that when something really new or something astonishing comes out, I try that, but not on a daily basis. And uh, I'm trying to focus more on developing awareness and focus through meditation, through practices, more like the biohacking side, switch it to that. I think you noticed that too. Some years ago, everyone was experimenting with nootropics. Now everyone is talking about uh, 
cold uh, cold exposure, breathing techniques, uh, meditation, mindfulness. So I'm I switched to on trying to get more awareness and consciousness through breathing techniques more than uh, pump me myself with the Adderall or everything that I could uh, get my hand on. Right, right. Yeah, there's definitely been a paradigm shift from taking things externally into your body. And then whereas nowadays, it's like being more internal with yourself, like you said, meditation, breathing practices, cold exposure, which forces you to, <laughs> to focus on your breathing on your breathing stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Cool. Well, I appreciate that input. Yeah, that that that's a good message. And that's somewhat of a similar experience I had. I don't think I went as hard core into the neotropics as you, but I was certainly when I read some books by Dave Asprey and he was talking about the Rasatam family and all that stuff. I certainly tried yeah, that. For, I had a similar experience as you, where you get that initial, like, "Whoa, this is cool!" Like, I'm focused. My brain is sharper, but it doesn't really last that long. It's just that initial your your brain and your physiology has this new input, but it habituates to it. And to your point, uh, if you were to use it daily and then you stop using it, you actually are way worse off than you were before you even started using them. So it's kind of it, it is a slippery slope. So your message is is perfect and on point. But let's switch the topic to red light therapy. <laughs> Give us your experience. It sounds like you first heard about it with your 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 initial biohacking experiences, becoming a, a bulletproof coach. I'm sure you heard it through that, mm-hmm. correct? I guess for the audience, tell us how you use it, uh, red light therapy, what products. They don't necessarily have to name their products, but you, you talked about the matrix. So just tell us how you use red light therapy, what you've noticed. Maybe if you have an opinion where you see the red light therapy space going in the future. Well, first, a disclaimer. It's not because I'm I'm guest in this podcast that I'm going to say that. But the red light therapy, I think this is one of the coolest things that I got my hand on as a biohacker. And I can see that because I've been using from several years the different devices. In Italy, we have like just one small company that, that is trying to create the market for that. And then you, you you got in contact with that through the um, the sonas. Most most commonly, you got in contact with infrared, the, the common person through sonas. I have to say that infrared therapy was the the one of the game changers in my life. I have to say totally a constant. You say that uh, biohacking is changing paradigm from getting everything superpowers from outside in developing your inner self, and that's totally true. I can see it in Italy too from a small, small niche. Talking about one common aspect that always was constant in the biohacking world was the quantific- the self-quantification, studying yourself. And I was totally, uh, I've been always studying my sleep. I've been always studying my data, tracking, tracking my data, tracking my sleep, tracking my calorie intake, uh, my readiness, uh, my HRV. I've been doing that for years and I love that. It's not, I, I don't think that's an obsession. I love that. Since when I started using infrared therapy, I noticed, yeah, a market increase in uh, my HRV without changing anything, just by using daily uh, infrared therapy. When you try to define the term wellness, it's very, it's very, um, it's very difficult. You know, how, how would you define wellness? I, I'm trying to do that for myself. And when I see that I feel energized, I feel positive, I feel energetic during the day, that's wellness, but I can quantify that. Because if I see that my HRV is pumping up, it's, if I see that my breathing, rate, um, breathing rates is uh, slower, 
I'm able to quantify the infrared therapy benefits. And since I started using that, my wellness parameters, pretty much everything. Yeah, pretty much everything. So the sleep quality, the breathing rates, breathing rates, the HRV, everything improved. And since I started practicing stretching on that, so I do static stretching splits. Uh, I enjoy doing handstands, but just because I love to have fun on that or reading to with the matrix since you you gave me the matrix my muscles a greater recovery on that so, and i must say that even doing the splits was uh, was easier I, i'm i'm a former gymnast as i said but i'm 33 years old so being flexible is a challenge every day and since i start doing my exercises on uh, infrared therapy combining them with infrared therapy i think everything was more smooth I could see, I can sense it's something that I've been doing sports for 25 years. There is something that yeah, I am not able to explain and I just feel that into my body. On the wellness side and on the muscle side, I noticed a marked improvement. The thing that I didn't notice in my personal experience was like focus. I, I'm not able to work or to do anything else uh, that requires me focus on concentration while having a red light on me. I know that you, you, it happens to you to do that. With a stand, you work with the infrared, if I'm not wrong. I'm not able to do that. It totally distracts me. I'm not, I'm not focused. So on that side, for me, it doesn't work. From everything else, it really does a great improvement in the quality of my life overall. If you're distracted by that visible red light, I would recommend, depending on what product you're using, if you have the ability, choose just near infrared because that's actually the more important of the two for cognitive concentration enhancement so turn on just near infrared which is invisible and then you'll be getting those wavelengths into your your brain which would be the target for those for those uh, purposes so i'd recommend that thanks for the pearl i will do that yeah Yeah. those are pretty common experiences and um yeah using the matrix as as a platform to do like some stretching and some yoga i mean that's what i've been doing for the last handful of months too and we're i guess we're both 33 and you are much more flexible than I am or I may ever be. So I <laughs> I aspire to to do a video like you did someday uh, doing the splits. My, my groin would split in half if I did that. But <laughs> it certainly does make the stretching session better or maybe uh, easier to your point. So yeah, anyone that, that, that has that product or that's into yoga or into uh, that type of a thing, you know, I'd highly recommend uh, considering that because it does enhance the the treatment or or the stretching session so then you compound that over days and weeks and months of stretching on something like red light therapy like the matrix versus not at all and i think you would be further along using red light therapy and it's one of those things if you're going to be doing yoga or tai chi or even just sitting and doing breathing exercise if you're going to be doing that most days or every day you might as well get some red light therapy while you're doing it too totally and i, and I think this is the point where if we can link to the, the initial part of the podcast where you told me what you do as a, a nutritionist in a common clinical practice, I think this is the limit. I really would, would have liked to, for example, when a person has, um, is having a, a clinical approach in my, in my clinic, uh, when we are talking, I would like to have a red light therapy on that. But I, I know that I see my patients uh, one time per month or one time every six weeks. And I know that doing that, every six weeks doesn't do the trick. I can say from experience, I don't know, you are the expert on that. 
But I think that doing like 20 minutes or 10 minutes once every six weeks, uh, it, it's not called exposing yourself to infrared. So that that's the great limitation. I, I noticed that when I do that every day, I can feel the difference totally on the quality of my life. But when I when I do that, for example, I, I'm out for Congress or I'm out for work on just I'm on holiday or something just whatsoever that I'm not doing that daily. I see that the compounding effect is losing. The pro and the limitation is that you have to do it daily. Yeah, consistency for sure. And in the winter, where you have overcast weather and you rarely see the sun, at least where I live, seeing the sun like one day of the week, it's better than nothing. So my point is like, even if you were to use uh, it on clients, it's, it's better than nothing. But if you're to see the sun four, five, six, seven days a week, well, you're going to start feeling really good on a consistent basis. So yeah, consistency is the key when it comes to red light therapy. Once is better than nothing, but consistency, you're definitely going to feel the effects to a greater extent. Are there any other things you've noticed when using red light therapy? Did you notice anything with your HRV? I think you did mention all metrics kind of went up. Improved. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I like 10 points. Uh, there was like a switch. I, I noticed uh, the if, if I look at my... My desk, well, it's, yeah, it's too old. Uh, I would have shown you. You can notice a peak, uh, like a switch, when you turn on uh, um, an interrupter. So you you can notice a, a switch where my HRV improved for like 10, if I'm not wrong, it was like 10 or 12 points, uh, 12 to 10 points on a daily basis. From that on, it was constant. And when I had not the possibility to do Red light therapy daily, it felt back off 10 points. Mm-hmm. So my HRV was the, I think the metric that truly was uh, improved better in that way. Yep. Makes sense. I've mentioned this multiple times, but we did a study with our BioLite full body panel using the BioStrap, which is similar to the Aura Ring, but just for your wrist instead. We're doing full body red light therapy led to a 10 minute session, led to an automatic like a hundred and is it 22% increase in your HRV every time you did a 10 minute session. So like to your point, you start doing that on a three, four days a week daily, you're Mm -hmm. you're surely going to see effects, positive effects with your HRV. Great. Yeah, totally. I, and I can confirm that. I think the HRV was one of the key metrics uh, of defining wellness. I think it will gain more attention when people try to define what, what a great health is. And also when talking about the future, I pretty much envision a future where infrared is part of daily exposition, daily exposure, and where every clinic uh, will have uh, a panel for infrared, like in the waiting room, so you can treat yourself uh, while you're waiting. That would be great. And that's that's a great idea. I will do that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's a fantastic idea. Yeah, in the waiting room, maybe you're waiting 10 to 5 minutes. uh, You can treat yourself and do some, some, some benefits to yourself. Yeah, I was just thinking this, as you said, it's like if one person starts doing that and as a client or a patient, you're receiving that treatment and like you feel the difference, you're going to start telling other people and then people will just congregate to your your clinic or your practice because you've got these red light therapy panels that you get to use in the waiting room that just feels amazing. So then other physicians are going to see that they're going to start doing it. And like, that's how the trickle effect or like the snowball effect happens is one or yeah. two people start doing something and then it doesn't happen right away but the word of mouth spreads and the adoption occurs later on. 
at first I was thinking just about clinics uh, and like the bed where the patient lies uh, with a red light. Yeah. But now that I thought about the waiting room, please uh, share, secure me. Just uh, keep keep a matrix for me. <laughs> you got it. You got it, Manuel. Are there any other things you want to talk about biohacking wise, anything that you're doing or anything that you're excited about biohacking or red light therapy wise before we uh, end the interview here? You know, we were talking about HRV and the greatest improvement in, in my HRV was when I started to combine cold exposure with infrared therapy. You know, I have a, a small tub in my backyard. So in the morning, sometime it happens that I do some cold exposure in, the, in, in cold water, like five minutes, six minutes, 10 minutes, depends on therapy, on the um, temperature. Right after that, I go straight direct to the, um, to the infrared therapy. And I noticed that doing that was dramatically improving like a nootropic. So I had the laser-focused attention for the three to four hours after that. And I wonder if you had some experiences on that? Similar, yeah. I mean, I live really close to a river, and right now it's frigid cold. <laughs> yeah. When I first started that, I could only be in there up to my neck for about five or ten seconds. And then over time, I've built up tolerance to doing a minute or two. And it's it's frigid, ice-cold water. I mean, it's just runoff from the mountains right over there. So, But yeah, I mean... It, certainly enhances your energy and your cognition and your concentration, even doing just one or the other. But when you combine them both, like you said, you get some nice synergistic effects. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Then that, I, I think that was the, the ultimate combination. When you're talking about laser attention, laser focus, uh, and you have the possibility to afford uh, an infrared device and uh, to expose yourself to cold therapy, I think that way better than anotropics. And it doesn't have the downsides. So you're not on the slippery slope that you mentioned before. One important topic, I didn't notice the, the withdrawal symptoms from abstaining, so from not doing infrared therapy. I didn't notice any uh, any withdrawal symptoms. I didn't have any bad symptoms or like when we're talking about Racetam's family, if, when you stop using those, uh, you get some downsides, really important downsides. On this side, when using uh, infrared and when not using infrared, I didn't notice any problem. I, I think that working on your focus through these this practices, combining cold exposure and uh, infrared is the ultimate tool for attention. Yeah, I agree. A lot of upside and basically minimal to no downside. And even yeah. I might get this question all the time as far as can you overtreat with red light therapy or can you overdo it? Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes, but the negative side effect really is going to be that you're not going to get the result you're looking for. There are no, to your point, like deleterious negative side effects. Maybe if you first start red light therapy and you start opening up those passageways because you get that vasodilation, maybe you get some detox effects. Maybe you get a little bit of nausea, a little bit of headache, a little bit of fatigue or something. But that's even in a small percentage of people that use red light therapy. So all in all, it's a very uh, safe, uh, low risk, high reward type of treatment option, just like, well, with cryotherapy, um, what is your experience? Is there any negative side effects to overexposing your body to that? Like, it, can you do it too yeah. long? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, it, it's like the hot topic here in Italy. My prediction is that next year, like 2024, will be the infrared year. Now, this this year is the cold year. 
So everyone is talking about cold exposure, everything. Everyone is talking about uh, cold baths or uh, running wild, uh, almost naked, all this kind of stuff. Pretty funny as a practice. I think this is one of the most dangerous thing about biohacking. So when it when it goes mainstream, through cold exposure, you can do some harm to yourself. It can be dangerous. There, You can have several symptoms. You can have several damages. If you just start and expose yourself to cold, like one thing that common app is happening is people look at Cristiano Ronaldo. He does that. Uh, everyone want to um, to do cold bath with ice. Uh, you want to to stand up and to to stay in the water as much as you can, but that could have really downside, pretty serious damages. Not not really serious, but it can have some damage. From my my experience, yeah, I approach it to cold therapy, cold exposure exposure in a very superficial way. I try to do the ice bath. I read about Wim Hof and I, tr- and I thought, uh, yeah, that's cool. Let's do that. I tried to do that and um, got a very bad flu. And But the flu was not the real problem. The problem is that I reckon I had a very bad sensation because I, I had a drawback and couldn't get warm. I remember that after exposing myself to a high spot for like my first time was like six minutes or something. I have a very good concentration. I mean, done a lot of sports. So I, I was standing in there uh, and I was having very bad sensation. And when I went out from water, I wasn't able to get my body warm. And it took like 15 minutes to get warm. That imprinted into my mind a very bad memory on cold exposure. While on the other side, with different therapies, different biohacking tools, different biohacking practices, never had such a bad experience. Gotcha. Taking that long to get warm, yeah, your body definitely got overexposed, didn't it? Yeah, um, totally. I don't think I've ever had that type of a effect from cold exposure. How long were you in for that to occur? Six minutes with ice cold water. Yeah, a friend of mine went under pneumonia. Pneumonia, it's a, it's a common term in English, if I'm not wrong. Yep, yep. By exposing himself to cold for too long, that particular practice, it's not something you can play too much with. You have to right. approach that. You have to study that. Two different practices that are that are common in the biohacking field, which are which are two common enemies. Uh, you know, we had two enemies for the past thousand of years: hunger and cold. We have been trying to evade from hunger and cold for years, and then now nowadays we're trying to expose ourselves to cold and to hunger with intermittent fasting. Yep. Yep. I think that even by fasting too much or exposing too much to cold, you can you are playing with your enemies, and it doesn't necessarily can end in a good way. That's my point. No, that's a good point, and that's another way the pendulum has swung. Is um, we've become so unhealthy that the things we were running from generations and generations ago, we're trying to utilize now to improve our health. It's like, yeah, <laughs> how ironic right. is that? No, that's a pretty good point, though. Well, Manuel, really appreciate you coming on, and for everyone listening. Uh, Manuel was kind of worried about his English, believe it or not, being too broken or just not good enough. So everyone give him a round of applause because there's no issues with it, man. <laughs> it's your, <laughs> is this your second language or do you know other languages as well? No, no, that's my second language. Well, still, like like I said before we started recording, you don't want you already heard my Italian when I tried reading uh, School of Medicine and <laughs> Functional Medicine and Nutrition. You don't want to hear that again. So 
My point, <laughs> being, my point being, very good English. And I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. It's evening over there. What part of Italy are you in? I am in the Marche, so the Adriatic Sea, on the Adriatic Sea. Which side is that? Is that the east side? East side, yeah. East side, gotcha. Okay. East side of Italy. Gotcha. That's one. Yeah, when I was there, I visited the Tuscany, Tuscany? region for a Tuscany, little while yeah. and then went down to Rome. And both places, as far as food and scenery and culture, was just amazing. Amazing. Uh, but without further ado, Manuel, appreciate you coming on. Tell the audience where they can learn more about you and from you. About me and from me, uh, if you are familiar with Italian, you can go on my website with his name, manuelsalvadori.it, or you can follow our, uh, our Italian School of Functional Medicine and Nutrition. So you can look into my profile. Yeah. Or, or if you want to do to see me doing some fancy acrobatic stuff uh, with infrared therapy, you can follow me on Instagram. Yeah, and we'll leave all those links, websites, and, and um, social media profiles in the show notes. So people can go check you out and maybe learn some Italian while they're at it, if they're English speaking. Uh, <laughs> but without further ado, grazie Manuel for, for coming on the Red Light Report. And thanks for everyone listening. You guys have a fantastic week and I'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.